so now it is about uh, density and being able to not only provide just a simple signal, but actually providing a great digital experience for these devices. How many devices are gonna be in that specific geospace is the big question. How do you have your Wi-Fi infrastructure be able to support those surges of people coming in and people coming out, right? And the, the net of it is, the gist of it is that you really need the data, you need the analytics, which Wi-Fi being so talky, you get a lot of information about what's in the air uh, and having the tools to be able to see what that air is and see what's in the air, uh, having a really robust Wi-Fi environment, but basically, you know, the nerd knobs that you can go and make changes and you can uh, you know, change things as things happen um, really will separate the digital experience from just a, a static or not thought about plan in Wi-Fi and your end users and your customers will have a lot better experience uh, with the Wi-Fi. And this conversation is about that. So the, the first topic I mentioned is, is how do you know uh, that you have uh, a high dense environment and then you are actually having issues with that? And they usually come in about these four different problems in this area. And, and when I speak of area, I, I'd like you to, to think about the places that you're responsible for. Uh, and not just the buildings, but actually the areas of people that are, are working, not, not your Wi-Fi general overall, but actually where people are actually with the Wi-Fi devices, um, the, the stations, right? Uh, you will see that the end users will talk about application timeouts, right? They will talk about download slow or VoIP drops, you know, or upload slow. They won't say that in that in that type of technical jargon, but they will say, I can't get, I can't get connected or my connection keeps dropping. Uh, very good telltale signs of you might have too many Wi-Fi stations on that environment. And so we go into a little bit of detail of what that means. And this document right here is actually on info.7signal.com and our KPI benchmarks. This is what we actually use for KPI. <clears throat> and again, uh, this is what you should have your network at. If the devices that you use to measure uh, your Wi-Fi performance are not hitting these levels and you're seeing this because of high density, Again, that's an indication of, you know what, I might have too many people on my, my BSS and I need to make some modifications. And the net of that is, is that you wanna have a Wi-Fi robust enough that you can have radio resource management going through the whole, uh, the, the whole, the whole uh, BSS, but you wanna have the ability also in some certain areas to be actually make some individual changes to those APs in that in that basic service set you want to be able to fine tune where you need to and then have an overall uh feature to get that experience so i just want to highlight a few here let me see if i can get my highlighter to work my laser pointer yep look at that uh so again we want to have a signal strength all time at 65 uh dbm uh 67 is the standard for voip that's really where we want to uh look at <clears throat> again Signal strength uh, really, really determines how well that experience is going to be 
because it also is one of the biggest factors in the data rate uh, and then by location. Uh, again, we'll, we'll talk about it here. Our SNR, we should have a nice little 25 uh, segmentation. Again, if you see you've got uh, great coverage, but you know the the you can't hear the the floor from the actual data. Again, think about having more and more devices in that physical space, right? Uh, also, not just the Wi-Fi clients, but also the APs, and then also other APs uh, outside of your environment, especially if you're in a mixed office use or uh, type of environment. You know, think about all the noise and and thinking about how much the wireless NIC on that client station has to deal with when there is a lot of wireless clients and a lot of different APs and a lot of different BSSIDs being broadcasted uh, all through that air, that wireless NIC is gonna have to make and have those conversations and your AP and your controller are also having to deal with that all the time on top of just saying, hey, I'm just being used just for the connectivity, right? I just, I just need to do my get on the line and get going. Again, client count for AP. This is a rule of thumb. Uh, you know, less than less than 30. Channel utilization. This is a this is a tough one. Um, less than 40 percent. You know, I've I've seen I've seen it uh, higher. I've seen it lower. Uh, a good thing to check. That's something you can see on your controller reports. Uh, that's something that you also can see over time. Uh, don't just get an overall average. Um, get you know a couple of days. You know, look at the different APs over time. Like see how much the channels are being utilized. Uh, and get a nice little trend set and you start to make those decisions. Do I have a high dense network? And if I do, I need to make some changes for it because I think what has happened is and why this topic is probably so uh, in, 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 in relevance is that we've built networks and all of a sudden there's more Wi-Fi NICs coming in uh, to the point of Don's uh, uh, trivia question. Uh, a lot more devices have come on Wi-Fi. We might have built something for you know four or five years ago, you know eight years ago. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're seeing our networks going, huh, or we've used architecture diagrams or best practices guides, maybe that were just to get a signal. And all of a sudden, the actual client has changed. We're no longer connecting to Ethernet all the time. We're, we're in Wi-Fi, right? Uh, so data rate, huge, huge uh, point of contention, you know, pun, in, pun in intended. Uh, Wi-Fi is, is really uh, democratic. If it can't connect to you, if you're too far, if it doesn't have a, a good signal strength, right, it won't just disconnect you, it'll actually will change your data rate. <clears throat> Changing your data rate will really change how fast that, that connectivity is, is, is going. More devices into the congestion, it becomes a cascade effect you start adding more APs or more, more, let's say, VSSIDs uh, into that environment, there's more probes, there's more management traffic. Again, you guys, you know, wireless, wireless uh, traffic, majority of it is management traffic. Uh, more management type things, new VSSIDs, other APs, more management, more, more time on the air just for management and not actually for the business of a client connecting saying, man, I just want to get on the line, send my stuff out and, and move on, right? So we have the retry rate at 40%. I put some questions on that. And Jim, I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, I, I've seen retry rates as in some in some documentation as uh, you shouldn't have any more than 10 and you might actually have an issue. I'm, I'm just curious, Jim, what are, what are your thoughts on, on percentage of retry rate before you might have a, uh, an issue? Well, it all depends on the applications you're using. So if you're using 
real-time apps like voice and video, particularly voice, uh, you want retry rates probably less than 10%. And you know the the vendor of that uh, voice handset, if if that's what you're using, will probably have um, you know a number they specify. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're not doing voice, then retry rates that are higher might be acceptable. Um, we we want to keep them as low as possible, but you know retries are a normal part of healthy Wi-Fi operation. So, mm -hmm. um, and they're also, you know, extremely dynamic. When we when we look at them, you know, over time, we you know we see spikes and lulls and. Uh, there's also, a, of course, a measurement problem that goes into it. We could do a whole webinar just on retries, I think. <laughs> but uh, the important thing is it really depends on your application requirements. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that. Some uh, some other information, again, uh, you know, when do we consider if a download's too slow? You know, we like to say, you know, uh, you know, you would be underneath 5,000 milliseconds, right? Uh, again, good rule of thumb. If it takes more than five seconds for a page to load, you know, usually that's that's a a, a user uh, a user experience issue. Um, <clears throat> and the big thing where we're developing Wi-Fi networks now for mostly VoIP, uh, just to really just cover all your bases, we want to have a packet loss, you know, full time of under one percent. Again, we're talking packets, we're talking network, we're talking layer three, right? And then ping latency, you don't want to have anything more than 150 milliseconds, right? You want to have, um, and that that's actually, you know, the max. You want to have a lot, a lot uh, more <clears throat> robust network on that. And then very specific to VoIP uh, is with jitter. Again, you want to have under 10 milliseconds. Uh, again, we we talk about this in the next one about MOS, right? And then again, when we talk about a high dense environment we're not just talking about clients also we're talking about we might have too many ap's uh in the environment towards how many clients we have we might have put too many ap's which i've seen uh in my career here at seven signal um in, in several and several times where there's been way too many ap's in the environment based on on clients uh and as <clears throat> our uh leader of uh customer uh uh, excellence and, and and service likes to say you know the the number one contender with Wi-Fi interference is is other Wi-Fi and again we we look at this with the moss moss is a great thing to looking at a at a scale that's something that can be can be looked at to see you know where you're at again going back to that interference again downloads these are just things i'm going to rush through these because i want to be consignant of time because we've got quite a bit more to go to but these are you know, what we're looking at again you know hopefully no one's looking at netflix in the office um if they are maybe it's for work right uh but netflix even says five meg right is what you want um and then that's the basic you know high hits of like do i have uh some some issues here right and then let's talk about um <clears throat> what that actually means on the devices and with the Wi-Fi environments that you have, you want to be able to see, identify this and be able to uh, mitigate this problem by actually being able to move, you know, quote unquote, some of those nerd mob, nerd, nerd knobs. 
So limited airtime, this is my point about management. Again, if you get an oversaturated environment, there's gonna be a lot of management overhead. Uh, the line is basically open for anybody. So you wanna, in a perfect world, you wanna have less management and you wanna have more of just data, you know, coming back and forth between the, the clients and the APs in uh, congestion. Again, you, you wanna, it's gonna show itself as a congested network. You're gonna see one of the telltale signs for this environment is your signal strength for everybody is fantastic. <laughs> uh, but, congest but, but congestion and drops are, are all over the place. It's a, it's a telltale sign that there's uh, too much, too many devices possibly contending to the line or possibly interference, which are basically uh, in some cases related. And you'll see this on drops and you'll see this with limited throughput as well. So limited airtime, again, I'm just, uh, that that's basically our, our seven signal uh, definition of, of what it means. Again, uh, kind of hit that about the percentages. Congestion, again, uh, towards what Jim's comment was, congestion is really relative to what the application of the end user is using. Uh, a full blown wireless VoIP, uh, very roaming all over the place, a whole bunch of others is a completely different congestion scenario set than something that never uses any type of voice is stationary, but it's just connected to the Wi-Fi and sends information, right? It can deal with that, VoIP cannot. So again, knowing what your end users and your customers <clears throat> are, are using in the day-to-day -day into the business is really important to that Wi-Fi environment, especially in high dense, so you know exactly what's happening. All right, we see it in hospitals quite a bit. It's not good enough just to say, oh yeah, you've got a wireless signal, so everything's fine, you know, see you later. That that might've been okay like 15 years ago, but now it's mission critical as, as you guys on the on the calls know that you, you can't just provide that for your customers, for your end users and say, well, you have a Wi-Fi signal, yeah, it can't work. Well, it does not work. It's all about digital experience now. So again, these are some of the, the, from the eye of the administrator of what you can see from the eye of the customer, what you, what, what's happening in those environments. And again, just basic service level KPIs of, you know, hitting these steps of saying, I have, you know, these types of throughput, I have these types of connectivity. Uh, that's what, that's what I'm, what I'm going for. Right. So we went over real quickly because i wanted to, to spend time uh you know on this on this last this this third topic about the wi-fi environment you have seven signal is vendor agnostic we don't plug into anybody we don't have um any connections with other vendors our, our stuff our products are very just if you run on the standards of wi-fi you know we can understand and we can interpret what what you have so we work with all of them and every vendor has got great pros, great, great cons. We're not talking that you need X over Y because of certain environments. Uh, but what we are saying, especially in this one, is that if you have determined that your environment is definitely high, uh, high dense environment and your end users, your customers, I, hate, I, I don't like calling our customers end users, um, but the, the people that we provide these services for, uh, they will see this and they start seeing this type of loss of connectivity, loss of experience, you know, it affects everything and they can't get their work done. Of course, it goes back up and it starts troubleshooting, right? Uh, so, so we mentioned that the two things, right? How, how's it, how's it shown from the customer, how it actually sees from the admin 
And then here's some things that you want to be able to do with your Wi-Fi environment to be able to mitigate these issues. And this is why we talk about mediocre Wi-Fi. You're gonna want some Wi-Fi controllers, some Wi-Fi vendors that actually give you the ability to make some modifications here and there when you have determined that you have this environment because it's not it's not the end of the world you don't have to do a rip and replace you don't have to like say well only these people can come in at this time you you can actually fix that that's the great thing about wi-fi is that you can make a lot of changes and you can really do it really in slivers of physical space uh to to, to get that network and get that experience working for everybody so let's talk about it. So I, I've, I've given four uh, examples at the end. I have some others that we can do. Um, and there's obviously some, some, some more, but uh, my, my favorite uh, is to use only 20 megahertz channel with uh, on five and then obviously on two. It's, uh, it's great to have bigger channel lists, bigger channel widths equate to the newest viz, which equate to the fastest Wi-Fi speeds. And that's fantastic for a handful of people. <laughs> uh, for everybody else, uh, that, that becomes a, a, a nuance and a problem. So again, yeah, Wi-Fi is a very democratic, very open type environment. Wi-Fi will, will drop down to try to help the people that don't have those latest rates. And if you make a channel plan that is, you know, oversubscribed or, or uh, you know, you're, you're, you're making them the, the bigger channel plans, uh, that, that you can do in a lot of these models. And we especially see this in the work from home in the Soho environment. Uh, you know, Google Wi-Fi Nest, they automatically start at 80 megahertz wide channels right off the bat. And there's really no way to change, at least on Gen 1. Uh, but in the environment, into work, um, especially if it's BYOD, especially if it's not BYOD, you're going to want to have just regular channels that everybody can use, right, to, to get in, do their business, and, and get off. And we'll talk about this here in a little bit greater detail. Number two, lowering the AP power. That doesn't mean from everybody down. That means that if you have a specific geospace uh, environment that you have determined that there is way too much signal from all these different APs and all, and there's way dense environment, and you know that those devices are going to be at that sliver of space. And devices, I mean, I mean stations, Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi wi clients. You can actually, you want a Wi-Fi environment that you can go specifically to that AP and say, you know what, this AP, I want you to turn the power down. I don't want you broadcasting or I don't want you sending a signal so far out that other clients uh, past the space will still see that signal strength and still connect to it. Or they will still not connect to it, but they're aware of it. And they're constantly having to make communications and, and communications with that, even if they're physically farther away from that AP and they will never connect. So it's always good to actually walk the floors and actually talk to your customers and say, hey, you, you guys are in Wi-Fi. You guys are Wi-Fi because you guys move around a lot. You know, what's your what's your typical day? If you've got people just in a certain environment that don't move around and we got a high dense environment, that's a great time to say, you know what, let's see if we can drop the signal strength right underneath them you know, to where they have a great digital experience, but they're not having to contend with the signals uh, of, of everybody else, right? <clears throat> uh, third problem, third is kind of completely related, as all Wi-Fi things are, uh, probe and beacon modifications. How many BSSIDs do you have in your space, right? You should be able to answer that question. You should be able to, when somebody asks, 
uh, you know, at, at the Wi-Fi environment that you're responsible for, how many BSSIDs can a client hear on a Monday through Friday or whatever the work day is? Um, as you add more and more BSSIDs, every management construct for Wi-Fi has to be done for that BSSID. And as you guys know in Wi-Fi, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a bit of overhead. Uh, from, from AP to AP to client to AP, right? Uh, there is adding more BSSIDs really causes the probe and beacons to accelerate and to have a specific time of the uh, of the line, and then no one all this you've got these high dense environments. Possibly no one's even using those BSSIDs, right? Turn them off if no one's using them, right? Have have a review of that. Um, <clears throat> that's a again a, su a suggestion rule of thumb after also like qualifying great testing and and making sure. And then I was really big on five gig only until Mr. Lee Badman had his seven signal webinar last week and talked uh, really interesting about you know the 2.4 band and his last comments uh, about you know working so hard to get an unlicensed band for Wi-Fi and just not just abandoning it, considering how hard it is to, you know, to have these types of, of bands just for, for Wi-Fi from FCC and so on. That that moved me a little bit. I was like, you know what, that's right. I've been pretty negative on 2.4. Uh, but you know, if we don't use it and it gets taken away, right? It's like one of those things. So uh Five gigahertz band only. Uh, still, I, I, if you can, yeah, that helps. Two point four. There's definitely, you know, a, a need for it. Um, there are some conversations, and again, depending on your network, if you want to label the two point four and the five band with the same BSSID, uh, enterprise environments a little more difficult to say what it is. Uh, but also, it's a lot easier to make certain band only SSIDs as well. Uh, definitely something that you can look at to to help with that uh, <clears throat> high density environment. So 20 megahertz channels, again, um, this is the net of it, right? It gives you a smaller contention domain because that, if there's one thing uh, that, that I want you for the takeaway for this presentation for me uh, that I would like uh, for you guys to have is that that's what we're looking at. When you know that you have high density environments, the, the net of it is to try to get smaller contention domains to give everybody a lot more chance to actually get on the network and, and hop off, right? Um, again, in this uh, PowerPoint will be uh, archived, so you'll have access to some of these, <clears throat> some of these uh, reports and some of these case studies. Uh, but again, also some nice little tips here to see, you know, you know, how things are, you know, if you really need to use this for the, for the, for the plan. I'm a big proponent of this, especially in enterprise networks. Uh, hopefully in 2.4, you shouldn't see this. Uh, I am seeing in my day-to-day -day experience working with uh, and consulting with our customers, uh, a lot of new services coming online that are uh, smart televisions or smart this, that, or the other, and they're actually bonding 2.4, uh, which is really, really odd. But some of these devices that are, that are kind of like sneaker netted in, um, they're actually doing some really weird stuff on, on 2.4. So that's something you want to keep an eye out for. Um, <clears throat> and then again, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, lowering the AP power, right? So smaller coverage cell. Again, that's what we're looking for. If we've got high environments and that's or high dense environments, that's what you need. Uh, and then this point right here, uh, you know, client devices spread out over the APs, fewer client connections on the AP and clients will have, you know, 
higher data rates, right? That's that's the hope. Uh, again, places where you can do it, I'm not going to you know go for that or, or go into this detail. We have quite a bit more to go through. <clears throat> but again, this is to the to the main argument that you don't want a mediocre Wi-Fi solution that doesn't have the ability to to be able to make these changes. Um, <clears throat> and again, things to watch for that we've already talked about. Right. If your percentage of management frames is just the majority of the traffic, right? Something I didn't talk about was actually a cell gap. Uh, you might find in some of the actual, which is kind of counterintuitive, but you might actually find that there's actually some gaps there um, in this high dense environment, or maybe that the work environment has actually changed, but the AP placement hasn't. And it's a good good chance, good opportunity to have a look at that. And then if you've got some people working, probably where they were what the design wasn't set for, go ahead and throw an AP on there, you know, maybe even do a static channel plan for that AP, right? Just enough to, to, to cover that group, right? Uh, spectrum analysis and control reporting, again, these are the, the tools that you're going to use to to identify these issues and then be able to you know solve and and recommend. And again, nice little case study here to go over it. <clears throat> and then probe and beacon modification, a thing that you want to look for, right? Uh, have some nice little information here about, you know, trying to stress the point of having a lot of VSSIDs. You have a lot of VSSID, you know, you, you get, you know, quite a bit of management. It just, it really does multiply. Uh, so reducing SSIDs, if possible, re reduce or actually make it in where it's not capable for those lowest uh, data rates. And then you can increase the beacon interval. Nice little case study here. So five gig design, right? This is a, a possible uh, every, uh, I, I believe uh, band steering is, is vendor uh, proprietary. So people have their, their you know, thoughts on, you know, if band steering actually works or not. A lot of customers will disable uh, and just only have uh, other bands. Again, usually when it comes into a high dense environment, if you just have a 2.4, you know, you can get clobber, especially here in the States, because, you know, or, or elsewhere, there's only really three channels that you can, you can use. Uh, so definitely you want to have a five gig uh, plan with, with more channels <clears throat> to, to be able to have that uh, time for contention. Um, but again, possible scenario is, uh, you know, if you're not on five in a high dense environment, get there. And if you're on 2.4, you know, keep a look at it. And if you need to, you know, get, go ahead and, and, and turn it off. Again, it doesn't interfere with the five gig band, um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those less to, to rule out uh, options. I, I think it's probably the the least out of all of these to do is just to go ahead and turn off the 2.4. Uh, especially with, uh, you know, some possibilities of 2.4 going to be with us for, for quite a while. <clears throat> and then I've mentioned some other options here. Uh, number six is really specific to that scenario where I mentioned there was uh, a lot of VoIP handheld uh, traffic and uh, a lot of roaming. Again, as you guys know, um, the authentication process is is pretty taxing, uh, and especially on VoIP devices, handheld hands or handsets, uh, especially when they are moving really really quickly. Uh, down, think of it down the halls. Uh, it, it takes a lot of overhead to to get that authentication. A lot of times, uh, most customers will just turn off <clears throat> uh, e type authentication and just go back to you know pre shared key uh, just because of that. 
<clears throat> but uh, that is that is very specific to those those devices. And if those devices are moving, you know, very very quickly, um, you know, it's a couple of new protocols. We've got a case study here that we can talk about. Uh, I had mentioned it earlier, but uh, you know, my personal is to just avoid using bonded channels in a high dense environment because you really make it unfair <laughs> for all the others uh, that that can't uh, enjoy you know that that those those fizz that that can use those the bonded channels um, uh, only only a few will and then again you can disable some some data rates right so disabling data rates is a really if, if possible good thing because as we talked about Wi-Fi will start to you know, when those retry rates will start to slow down the data rates. And of course, there's a whole bunch of fair use that comes uh, in, involved in some of the protocols. So, and also having a device physically farther from a BSS and an AP that's broadcasting it, if you, it'll transmit on that lower rate. And if it, you know, if it starts to work, then you've got a client physically that's physically far that should not have any, any business being connecting to this AP, but it's still having to deal with it. And there's really no need because you just might as well just turn off those lower data rates and push it to that smaller, that smaller cell and that smaller geo space. So I think, yep, I did it in, uh, in the time allotted. Uh, yeah, I think time, those Chris. are the topics. I'm going to pull it over to Q and A or, or stump the chump as, as I like to say. So let me stop sharing here. Jim, do you yeah. have anything to, to add before we go into Q&A? No, nice job. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I've been watching the Q&A panel and responding a little bit, and I'll, I'll bounce some question off, questions off you uh, in the, these last few minutes we've got here. Sure. Um, question from Jason. He says, is temporary channel utilization over 60% okay? I would say yes, yeah, and and temporary again is relative, right? Uh, is that just uh, like big spikes, like a you know in, in a minute or an hour or so, or is that something you know that's a couple of hours? So that that wh whatever temporary is, and then it goes back to Jim, what you had mentioned is uh, what are your customers' applications using, right? Can those applications handle uh, a possible slowdown uh, during those points in time, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're dead on with that. I, you know, channel utilization. Keith Parsons likes to call it the blood pressure of the WLAN. <laughs> and so, you know, if you're exercising, your blood pressure goes up. That's good. It's, it's just normal, healthy, you know, biology. And same for Wi-Fi. If you're transferring a big file and you've got a really high data rate, um, channel utilization's high because you're just you're busy and that's okay, but it's when it's chronically elevated, right? If your blood pressure is high all the time, that's a serious condition. Same thing with Wi-Fi. If it's chronically elevated, um, that's when it's a serious issue to, to start mm -hmm. treating. Um, okay. A uh, couple plugs saying uh, seems like 20 megahertz is the way to go uh, for channel widths, and I, I think we both agree with that. Question here from Forrest. Um, uh, he says, will Cisco RRM do the job? What about other vendors? 
Uh, in other words, should these automatic mechanisms always be tweaked? Mm -hmm. Great question. And with, with all vendors, they do a great job full stop, but you want to, you want to parent it. You want to make sure that they're actually doing a good job doing RRM. Uh, and it's good to do that not from the actual vendor to say, hey, I am doing great RRM, but actually to have some other type of, of monitoring or source to make sure that the RRM plan is working as designed. Uh, you can, you start to see like crazy channel changes, like through the work days, you know, there's, there's something going on, right? So you, it is a great tool. Um, a lot of the old school Wi-Fi experts love static assignment. I, I see both. Um, but I, I, I think it is, it is great to have and to turn on. It makes things a lot easier from the workflow, but my caveat is is to make sure and to constantly check in, kind of like a parent making sure your kid's doing the homework. Um, I learned that the wrong way <laughs> during COVID um, to go and to check, right? Yeah, for sure. And I'm one of those old school guys that likes static uh, channels and, and power, but, but RRM uh, can work just fine. You just have to, you know, don't, don't leave it um, in the out of the box defaults, definitely put some constraints around it. Only let it move uh, the transmit power so far and only let it change channels once a day instead of every 10 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, those, those sort of things. You need to put some constraints around it so it doesn't get too, uh, too wild, but certainly it can work. As long as you, you know, apply your design uh, requirements to its, uh, to its inputs. So, uh, shout out here from Chris. He says, uh, shout out for using the CCC reference <laughs> instead of CCI, that's co-channel contention. Mm -hmm. He says he hates the idea that it's interference. And I agree, Chris, uh, I'm, I'm a stickler for terms and I think CCI is, is incorrect. It, it should be CCC. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, uh, time for one more question, Don. Um, and uh, good question here from Timothy. He says uh, about uh, band steering, is this a good choice to use? I know you talked about that a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. is it a, a best practice to use it or should we do other stuff? So I am personally not a fan in enterprise. I, I think it does more harm than, than good. Um, it, uh, it, I, I wish, and it would probably be too much to have it alert if it, you know, band steered. Um, again, it is a, a, a it is a, a station reset when you move from from band to band, so you do feel it. Um, it is proprietary, also with Wi-Fi NICs on the clients, uh, how they interpret, uh, you know, those type of mechanisms that band steering it uses to make somebody move from a, one band to the other is uh is sub subjective right so it i i think it it's good in theory and bad in practice uh those are my thoughts jim uh do you, do you agree or, or disagree i'm curious on yeah that. no that's a good way to put it it's a it's a it's a good idea but uh it uses proprietary mechanisms and at the end of the day what it does is it prevents clients from going through their normal association process 
And you never know how white Wi-Fi clients will respond to that. If they hear a beacon from an AP in the 2.4 gigahertz band and they send a probe and get no response or they send an authentication frame and get no response, that's not how the how 802.11 is supposed to work. So some clients have really you know poor reaction to uh, those band steering techniques. Mm-hmm. So it's better uh, to alter your design or design uh, from the get-go with the five gigahertz band just providing a significantly louder signal. So the client will do a scan, the loudest AP is five gigahertz, and it'll just go to five gigahertz naturally rather than you know, wrestling with the 2.4 gigahertz radio and then giving up and going to five. So that sort of natural design-based band steering is, is a, a better technique, I think. Mm-hmm.